Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead. We confess that uh, we confess Judgment Day in all three of our ecumenical creeds, the Apostles, Nicene, and Athanasian. Every Christian confesses that there is a Judgment Day. But at the same time, Judgment Day is probably the teaching of the Bible that is the least believed. We just kind of assume that we're all going to be among the sheep and that only the worst of people will be among the goats. And we easily misread Jesus' analogy, his parable of the sheep and the goats, uh, our gospel lesson from today, in terms of, wor- in terms of works or actions. <clears throat> it, sound- <clears throat> Excuse me. it sounds like getting into heaven is as simple as you know, sponsoring a, a, a starving child in Africa or just dropping some change in the... Uh, in, the, in the bucket at the mall when the, the Santa rings the bell right at the store. Or just caring for the sick or visiting prisoners in jail or donating our, our clothing to some charities. And ironically, this account is probably one of the favorites of those who are opposed to Christianity as a way to mock Christians and to get us to, to get Christians to, to do what they want us to do. They use it as a gotcha card as a way to shut us up and, and end the discussion. They say, see, you need to help your neighbors. And this is what a Christian is supposed to be. You're not supposed to be worried about faith and, or about sin. A Christian is someone who helps the poor. And you know what? <clears throat> if the world says something, you know, if you see it on TV or Twitter or Facebook, well, it's got to be true, right? Especially when it comes to the Bible. Now, does Jesus want us to help the poor? Yes, absolutely. But I want you to notice something about our text. Jesus says, just as you did it for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Now, you could easily read that as simply helping the poor, that they are the least of these. It makes sense. But then Jesus adds another word. He says, the least of these, my brothers. Now, we 21st century Americans tend to have a soundbite level of understanding of the scriptures. And we take these little bites out of scripture and we fail to look at the whole context of the entire meal. Uh, and, and so whenever the Gospels, and especially the Gospel of Matthew, right, because this is from Matthew, and Matthew actually has a purpose, uh, and it's not just you know, little bites here and there, but it's a whole book, but whenever Matthew uses the word brothers, whenever it doesn't mean physical blood brothers, it only has one other meaning. It means Jesus' disciples or the apostles, those who preach the gospel. Listen to this earlier from Matthew, Matthew chapter 12. While Jesus was still speaking to the crowd, his mother and his brothers have to be staying outside wanting to talk to him. So uh, James, uh, the brother of Jesus, along with others, uh, someone said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to talk to you. 
But Jesus replied to the one who told him, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And he reached out his hand toward his disciples and said, See my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So the least of these can't simply be the poor, or else it would contradict the entire Bible that says we are saved not by works of the law. We are saved apart from works. We are saved by grace, not anything that we can do. So the very least, the, the least of these have to be Christians. But the Christians are the sheep. The brothers are a different group. So who are the brothers of Jesus? Well, they're the disciples, ministers, pastors, teachers, anyone who preaches the gospel. In Matthew 7, there's a parallel section of this where Jesus says that ministers will also be judged. Uh, like the sheep and the goats, they too will be judged uh, by, their, by their fruit. Preachers will be judged by their preaching. And again, just like the sheep and the goats, to those who had bad fruit, to those who uh, thought they preached in Jesus' name, uh, but never preached the gospel, Jesus will say, I never knew you. And they will be shocked too. And so here at the end of Matthew, the sheep are those who welcome and receive the good news of the preaching of the word. In Matthew 10, Jesus says that when he sends out his brothers, his disciples, that it will not be them speaking, but God speaking through them. He says, he who receives you, receives me. He who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. So, what separates the sheep from the goats is not, is, is not their, their works, but whether or not they received Jesus through the preaching of his word, through his ministers. So this is not about works, not about providing for the poor. It's about faith. Faith comes from hearing the gospel. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. Because whoever preaches the gospel, it's not them speaking, but God speaking. In our Old Testament lesson from Isaiah, Isaiah says, and this is profound, that the very voice of the herald, the voice of the messenger, he says, here is your God. In the voice of the herald, in the voice of the messenger, here is your God. Jesus is actually here. In the proclamation of the gospel, even though you cannot see him. See, that's the whole thing about words. You can't see words. You hear them. That's why the sheep and the goats are shocked and surprised. The sheep heard the word of God, but they never saw Jesus. But they received him. The goats, who thought they could be a Christian by their works, are shocked when Jesus says, I was here, but you never received me. The church, the sheep, cannot be found apart from where forgiveness is preached. Sheep receive forgiveness. They receive clean coats, clean wool. Sheep have shepherds. Goats do not. 
Sheep hear the voice of their good shepherd. Goats don't. Now, I do want to be clear that this is not about me, not about Rev. Jeff, but rather about the office of the ministry, every pastor. And it does not matter who the preacher is. You know, I get uncomfortable whenever I hear someone talk up their church by describing the qualities of their minister, their pastor. I just heard the other day someone describe a pastor of another church uh, as being young and energetic, and, and that being a, a good quality why someone wouldn't want to go to that church. Well, how about someone who's faithful to the Word of God? It doesn't matter if they're young or old. He who receives you receives me. He who hears you hears me. And Jesus says that his brothers, his ministers of the gospel, he says they, they will be persecuted. Uh, true preachers of the gospel will actually suffer being hungry and thirsty. Uh, they will be a stranger. They will lack clothes. They will uh, be sick and be imprisoned, etc. The Apostle Paul described himself as the least of the brothers. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing to a group of, of people in, in Corinth who are saying, Ah, oh, we don't need to listen to you, Paul. And, and Paul doesn't say, yeah, you do. You need to listen to me because I said so, because I'm your pastor. Uh, rather, what Paul does to affirm his authority, Paul boasts about all his sufferings that he suffers. And he goes through the, this very list that Jesus gives here. He specifically mentions that he was hungry and thirsty. He mentions that he was a stranger in a foreign land, that he lacked clothing, that he was in prison. Because that's the sign of a preacher, of a true preacher of the gospel. Now, I say this with a little reservation because as a preacher and a brother of Jesus, I really haven't suffered all of these things. You know, compared to pastors around the world, I am richly uh, and well provided for here, so thank you for graciously, financially supporting our work together. But all of these sufferings are really aspects of a single reality that the ministers of the gospel will suffer the cross in ways that are distinct from the rest of Christendom. And it's not that ministers are, are better uh, or more worthy, but simply that they have a, a distinct office with different responsibilities and unique burdens placed on it that everyone else doesn't have. Pastors wear a stole for this reason. Uh, only ordained pastors get to wear this stole. Uh, and it's a symbol of a yoke, a yoke that oxen wear. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. And even though he says his yoke is easy and the burden is light, a yoke is still a yoke. The secular equivalent to ministers would be soldiers. Thinking about Veterans Day this past week. You're sending your sons off to fight physical battles for our country, uh, for the welfare of our neighbor who, who we don't even know. Uh, they become strangers in a foreign land. They must go long periods of time without seeing family or friends. When they're serving, they, they don't have the best of food or anything else in comparison to the great danger that they're put in. And they very well may endure being captured and put in prison. And we do, or at least we should, maybe more than we do, assign a place of honor and respect to them. We respect their office, the vocation, the office of soldier. 
Not because of the individual person, because, but because of the office that they hold. And the same is true for ministers. Not every minister suffers to the same degree, but crosses are custom-made. There's not a minister that I know of that isn't a stranger, that hasn't been uprooted from his family and sent in a community where they really are a stranger. And there's been a, a prayer that's been used as an evening prayer in the Lutheran Church, and it's typically used for uh, whenever pastors and teachers receive their calls. And I think it's good for all of us. It says, O Lord God, you have called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending, by paths as yet untrodden, through perils unknown. Give us faith to go out with good courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our culture says that you should do whatever is best for your career. You should go to school, you should take a job, you should go to college, do whatever so you can make the most money. That's not the advice of Jesus. No, if at all possible, don't move away from home. Don't move away from your family or your church family and your support network. So what if you make less money? Your children will get to grow up with your parents, with their grandparents and aunts and uncles, and you'll get to raise them together in a faithful church. Don't take your family or your church for granted. A faithful church that preaches the word of God rightly is worth more than any than the best career that you could possibly have. If you have to move or go away to college, your first thought should be, is there a faithful Lutheran church nearby? And if not, you shouldn't go there. No matter how good of a place it is, you shouldn't go there. Because at the end of the world, it won't matter how much stuff you have. It won't matter how much stuff you did, but whether or not you are a sheep or goat. And you are a sheep not because you support your church, not because you take care of your pastor, not because you, you use your, your wealth uh, not, to, not to serve you. You don't serve your wealth, but you use your wealth to serve the gospel. Rather, you are a sheep because your good shepherd calls you his sheep. And as a sheep, you hear his voice. Through his ministers, through your pastor, you hear the voice of Jesus. And through Jesus' voice, through his word, which you hear, faith is worked in your heart. In baptism, you are born again. You are born as a sheep into God's kingdom of grace. And it is a kingdom of grace. And because you are a sheep, you welcome Jesus. The Christian mother who prays for her children, the Christian grandparent who helps the little ones at church hear Jesus, the Christian father who, who works to, to never get rich but enriches his children by teaching them God's word and ensuring that they're at God's house regularly, the Christian who, who maybe has to be away from family, but uses his extra time to support the work of the church, they may all be doing the most mundane and ordinary things, things that the world says are not important because they're not about you and your career. But they're doing what? Welcoming Jesus. 
And at Judgment Day, they're going to be surprised that they did all this because who really was doing the work? Jesus. So on the last day, because you are sheep, what joy awaits you when you hear your Lord say to you, Come, you who are blessed of my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you, before the foundation of the world. In Jesus' name, amen.